Hey everyone, welcome to episode 112, not of the Switch Focus podcast, but of the End Focus podcast. Uh, yes, that's right, we've rebranded, we've expanded, uh, we're now part of a, a wider podcast network, which we're calling Game Podular, which is a, a play on uh, the word podcast and modular because of how we're going to do things. Uh, in terms of this show, it's the, the same show, but with a new name. But it does mean we've added sister shows uh, in the form of the PlayStation-focused PlayState and the Xbox-focused Power of X. Uh, and you can uh, find those both on iTunes at the moment. Uh, we've relocated all our stuff to a new website called GamePodular.com. Um, and what this allows us to do is do more types of shows in the future. So, yeah, we're going to look at doing new types of content, different types of content, uh, and we're all going to do it under this uh, Game Podular uh, umbrella, really. A weird name, <laughs> but it was the best of a of a pretty rubbish creative brainstorm. It was the one yeah. I hated the least, so I, I fought yeah. the least about it. So it won on that level. So uh, same media, mediocre content, different name. <laughs> uh, so with that out of the I love you too. Uh, <laughs> with that out of the way we're going to talk about updates from the previous episode okay so we've been off for two weeks while we sorted out uh, the rebranding and the, the launch of the other shows uh, you'd think that would mean we would have lots of updates but it, it really doesn't the most I've got to report is that I've finished Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle Donkey Kong Adventure DLC um, having finished it I agree with you completely that it's a lot easier than the main game but that wasn't really a bad thing uh, for pacing at least but I think the overpowered Donkey Kong helps that massively especially that uh, combo of his uh, bongo move that draws all the enemies towards him and then you can hit them all at once with this like devastating ground pound I thought that was great so yeah so that was done yeah not much to say about it it's just uh, another addition to a an already terrific game and if you've beaten Mario plus Rabbids and, and want more, you should definitely check that out. And Andrew, you've finished Trials of Mana and you've got some updates on the postgame. Yeah, as I described in our last recording, I wasn't far into Trials of Mana. And then, well, you know, uh, when we finished that recording, it was about 1.32 a.m. local time for me. And I joked, mm -hmm. I'm just going to stay up and keep playing Trials of Mana. That's actually exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was up all night playing it and I got pretty much to the end of the game. Nice. Uh, and it, it's nothing new there, really. Uh, all, all the areas are redesigned, obviously, so they're much bigger. There's a lot more to explore. And the bosses and the combat are all completely redesigned. But in terms of the progression through the game, it's the same game that was on Super NES. Or uh, I should say Super Famicom. It was never released on Super NES. But then after the credits roll... There's another scene added of this book in the Royal Library in Volsena that starts talking. And then you get to make a post-game save file, and you can go and you can pick up that book, and it does add some new stuff after the end of the game. It's only about four or five hours of content. It's just running around the world doing another boss, depending upon which characters are in your party. Uh, to get another orb that lets them upgrade into class 4 and these bosses are nothing special they're literally just expanded versions of standard enemies just turned into a boss mm. and then once you've upgraded to class 4 then you can go into the post-game dungeon and fight the post-game boss and the post-game dungeon is remixed versions of the other areas in the game so like you're going through all the towns 
but there's rubble in the way of some of the doors that you're used to being open, so you have to find your way through kind of like a maze. It, it, it's pretty typical of what Square Enix has been doing with a lot of their games. Dragon Quest XI had an almost identical endgame dungeon. Uh, and then you get to the true final boss, who has some relationship with the goddess of mana, and, and you beat her. And she says, but one day I will return. And then the on-screen text is like, and you'll have to be there to stop her. So I don't know because I've stopped playing at this point, but I did get to start a new game plus file at that point where I can actually start the game over. I keep a lot of my passive upgrades, but I can pick a new party. So I think there might be a kind of an Eternal Darkness style thing here now where if, if I beat the game through New Game Plus with every character, maybe I'll see like a new ending where this this new threat stops resurrecting and I won't have to be there to stop her next time. Maybe. Hmm. I'm just guessing. It could be I could just keep playing New Game Plus and just keep unlocking new passive upgrades that can carry over from file to file, which is, you know, cool too. But I, I'm interested to see that, but I, I'm limiting myself to only playing it once a year so it's going to be next year before i find out with new game plus <laughs> nice uh let's jump on to the latest switch news okay funny week for news this one because uh, just a few days before the the big announcement dropped everyone was uh complaining on the socials about the lack of uh, big titles on nintendo's roster for the rest of the year uh, as if a big pandemic hasn't throwing everything up in the air and, and cause some issues in terms of announcement and their ability to finish games uh, but they did announce that Paper Mario uh, the Origami King is coming July 17th uh, now I have never tried this series because as long as I've been aware of it everyone has complained about how rubbish it is so I've never really what? bothered yeah. okay let, let's just clarify how long have you been aware of it? not very long Okay. <laughs> last, cu- last, cu- last couple of entries uh, I know the 3DS one, Sticker Star. Sticker Star and Color Splash are rubbish. Yeah. I know that there are members of our community that do like those games. I don't care. They're bad games. <laughs> but Paper Mario and Nintendo 64, Thousand Year Door, GameCube, classic RPGs. They're both great. And mm-hmm. Super Paper Mario on Wii is a weird deviation, but it's still a good game. But yeah, the uh, the 3DS and wii u games they released were just they were <laughs> awful but uh looking at the trailer i did uh, like what i saw there was uh, a bunch of character a lot of humor and mario references I, I like how they they treat this as like a separate universe uh mario multiverse mario if you will so based on your experiences with the old ones the, does this one look more up your alley or i really i really can't tell Uh, I've tried scrutinizing some of the screenshots they released because it's really the combat that I'm worried about. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's where Sticker Star and Color Splash also went downhill was their combat systems were just terrible. But this one looks more like it's Mario and his partner standing in like the middle of a circle and it looks like you have some ability to rotate the circle around because it's divided up into nodes and if you can line up enemies then like your attacks will splash through them and hit all of them or you can like jump on every enemy successive in a row it's not clear to me yet exactly how that system works but it looks 
interesting. But like, if I see stickers or if I see cards, I'm going to pitch a fit because that was the stuff that <laughs> drug down the last two games in this series. I just want... Uh, like Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door, they are RPGs, but they, they added a lot of Mario flavor to it. So I don't mind it being a non-traditional RPG, but I do want it to be more of an RPG than Sticker Star and Color Splash ended up being. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I have my fingers crossed for this because I, I haven't given up yet, but this this could very well be the last draw for the Paper Mario series for me. Yeah, instead I was playing the Mario and Luigi RPG series. I played the last couple and enjoyed those a lot. Uh, with their their Mario takes on on sort of JRPG combat, of course. I think that's why Sticker Star and Color Splash were the way they were, because Nintendo mm. was like, well, if you want a Mario RPG, go play Mario and Luigi. These are more platformers than RPGs, but they've got a lot of turn-based elements to them, so they still played like RPGs. It was it was mm. weird, um, but. Mario and Luigi was a handheld series, and there's no longer a difference between a console and a handheld with Nintendo now. So mm-hmm. they either had to blend together, or they had one of them had to get the axe. And it looks like Mario and Luigi got the axe. We uh, famously in England we never got Super Mario RPG either, um, which is something I've been looking to rectify since I got the uh, the SNES Classic. So I yeah. just replayed it last month. It still holds up. Ah, oh, nice. Because Square was in charge of that one, weren't they? Yeah, which is probably why it didn't get localized or exported, because mm-hmm. that was just Square in the 90s. Like, even a lot of Square's great games that got released in the U.S., it was actually Nintendo that published them. Like, Dragon mm-hmm. Quest, all the Dragon Quest games were published by Nintendo, which is the mm-hmm. only reason the U.S. even saw them. But we don't need to get into that. That was 20 years ago. We can all move on with our lives. <laughs> Cool. Uh, So with that, let's talk about what we've been playing uh, during our short hiatus. Okay, Andrew, we're going to start with you. Uh, You're a big Elder Scrolls fan, so you've been checking out the free-to-play Elder Scrolls Blades, which has finally launched on Switch. I think that was announced like two years ago. Uh, Finally here. Um, I've I've dabbled in the mobile version, but not played more than five minutes because I don't play mobile games a whole heap. How well does that work on on Switch? I've been pretty happy with it. Like I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this because, like you know, if I'm going to play an Elder Scrolls game on Switch, I'm just going to bust out Skyrim again. <laughs> so like, <laughs> if you have the choice between Blades and Skyrim, of course Skyrim. But Blades is free to play, and. What I've played of it, because it's only been out for a couple days, and I, I don't see myself going back to it now that I've put some time into it, but I'm pretty happy with what's there as far as a free-to-play game, because it's a fully explorable 3D game, which I've never seen in a in a free-to-play game before. Not like this, anyway. Uh, it, it really does feel more like the procedurally generated dungeon crawlers that Elder Scrolls started life as on PC and in Elder Scrolls Arena and Elder Scrolls Daggerfall. But the dungeons are are very, very small. So, like, there's some room to move around and explore, but the areas aren't really big enough for you to get lost. It's just big enough to be engaging to move around in, basically. And you you play as this surviving blade, who uh, the blades were the emperor's royal guard, and through some political upheavals, the blades ended up getting wiped out. And he returns to his hometown, and finds the town just in ruins and so he takes it upon himself to help the town rebuild and 
as you go out and you do quests and you get quests from NPCs who live in your town or you can get it from a job board and there are pre-scripted story quests and then there are also procedurally generated just quests you just do for for the heck of it and when you do these quests you get material you can use to build your own equipment and you also get material you can use to build up your town so you can build like a smithy that'll give the blacksmith a place to work and then he'll give you more quests and he'll craft items for you or you can build just residential buildings for people to live in so that way more people will move into your town who can potentially give you more quests as far as just a, a time filler or maybe just a game you're just going to sit down for 10 minutes i mean that that's a mobile game and mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of backlash against this game from Elder Scrolls fans, which, yeah, an Elder Scrolls mobile game maybe is a stretch for Elder Scrolls purists, but from what I've played of it, I'm pretty happy with it. It just has the same problem that most of the mobile games that get released on Switch do, is it's just not as convenient having it on your Switch as it is having it on your phone. I think that might be its main obstacle. I think if you're interested in playing this, you probably already have a phone that can run it, so <laughs> if... if it sounds interesting to you, I think you would enjoy it. Um, I, I see nothing to complain about in this release. So, <laughs> like, even its freemium stuff, like the stuff you have to pay for, is pretty inobtrusive, not obnoxious. It hasn't tried to get me to buy anything yet. I mean, those options are there, I've seen them, but it's not shoving it in my face. So, I'm happy with the Elder Scrolls Blades. I don't know what to say about it beyond that. Oh, nice. Um, well, let, let's stick with the, the free play theme. Um, and we'll talk about Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms, another free-to-play fantasy game. Uh, is this the D&D &D one? It is. It's a Forgotten Realms playset. And uh, like uh, the title says, it's an idle game. So most of the game is spent watching numbers accumulate, basically. Like, you can tap a button to attack enemies yourself because that's that's the idle part of this game is it, it's played out like an rpg with your party walking along this path and enemies walk to them from the right side of the screen and your party will attack them every few seconds and enemies will drop money and you spend the money powering up your party or buying new characters it's an idle game so if you played cookie clicker if you played cow clicker it's the same kind of game one thing that did seem kind of weird to me, maybe this is a normal thing in Dungeons & Dragons, I don't know, but after I played for like two or three hours on the first adventure in the in the game, uh, I had to restart from scratch uh, on my next adventure. Like, all my characters went back to level one, my party disbanded basically, I, on my next adventure I went to I had to buy them all again. That was a very unusual for me, I, I'd never seen that before in an idle game where usually, like, unless you're deliberately starting over to farm achievements, like, your progression stays. So that was kind of weird. That seems to be the quirk of this, is like, y you are playing these adventures, like, maybe there's kobolds on the road, go stop the kobolds, or you found a farm with a cave underneath it, go investigate this cave, you know, Dungeons and Dragons adventures, basically. Um, mm -hmm. But each of these adventures is however many hours long, and then when you're done, you start over from scratch. That's That weirded me out. But my, my real complaint with Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realm on Switch is it runs like crap. It's terrible. The frame rate is yeah. awful, which for an idle game is eyebrow raising about like how bad this game runs on switch so can, can i just point out when you did that i literally raised my eyebrow yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, amazing how badly this game runs on switch i i 
I see no excuse for it to run this badly, even though it's an idle game and how well it runs is kind of beside the point. It, still, uh, it, it's pretty bad. Like, maybe someday Adventure Capitalist will come out for Switch, or maybe Cookie Clicker will come on Switch. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, but unless you're looking for a game that, like, literally it's a game you can progress through by just letting it run, which is what an idle game is if you've never played an idle game before. You're just letting it run, and every now and then you check in and you spend the money you have on upgrades and then you walk away for another couple hours that's an idle game um <laughs> it's an idle game it runs badly that's too bad <laughs> okay so uh let's talk about something i've been playing uh streets of rage 4 i know you expressed an interest in in this one there's a physical version coming out this summer i'm getting that uh, okay uh so my caveat is that i played it on pc and xbox through the play anywhere thing where the save follows whatever format you're playing on um reason for that is it's on game pass so i didn't have to pay for it um from what i've read uh, it runs fine on switch so uh, i believe it's a perfectly fine format to play it on a uh, bit of my background with streets of rage i don't really have one i've never really gotten on well with side scrolling beat-em-ups generally um i've always been more of a you know one-on-one fighter kind of guy uh, especially in the arcades um i listened to kane and rinse's episodes about the Streets of Rage series and I I was like cool and I bought them on 3DS and then just couldn't get the hang of them and and never went back Uh, but I did really enjoy what I played of this one so um, this is you know from different developers it's a new publisher uh, and they've sort of taken that old style of game and 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 modernized it a lot so starting with this you know wonderful art style so it's it's all hand drawn it looks comic booky there's lovely use of color uh, all the characters are brilliantly animated uh along with this art style uh they've aged up you know a couple of the original characters uh, axel and blaze are both back and uh you know axel's rocking his his mean beard and and Blaze doesn't look like she's aged at all, to be honest. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll double back on that one. Um, but they've also added in two new characters. So there's Cherry Hunter, who's a daughter of one of the previous characters, who also becomes playable partway through the story. Uh, and then there's a metal-armed monster man called Floyd, who looks a bit like Jax from Mortal Kombat. Uh, they've also modernized the music, so it's got like a really 90s arcade vibe to the music it's like poppy and dancey uh, i understand that all these songs are remixes of songs from the older games uh, rather than new tracks specifically for this one i couldn't tell but it works really well there's like, like they've all got like great beats and there's this rhythm that just helps you get into the game's combat system uh, and I believe the soundtrack sort of reacts to things that happen in the game as well so as more enemies pile on you get like another element layering onto the music and with that rhythm the combat is just a joy it's super smooth there's great feedback for your hits which i think is something i struggled on with the older ones you it's primarily a one button attack game uh, obviously you can crouch and all that but there's a you have like a special button which takes off some of your health as like a trade-off uh, but in this one you can claw it back if you carry that on into a combo uh, so my strategy was starting a combo hitting the uh, the special uh, and then carrying on with the combo to reclaw the, the health back um, I got far more out of those moves uh, using them like that particularly in boss fights 
Uh, there's also star moves, so you, as, as you play you'll find collectibles that give you these things called star moves. They're basically, in fighting game terms, it's your super. Uh, they're you know, super damaging. And yeah, there's they, they change up the system a little bit. There's some challenge areas where you could like technically progress and burst out of an area, but you can choose to fight off enemies, uh, usually in overwhelming odds, and then you get extra rewards for that. Uh, I noticed there was some cool stuff. I think this is in the originals, but enemies fight amongst themselves. Uh, have you you've got much history with the originals, Andrew? Not much history. Like I, I have been meeting to open up my Sega Genesis Classics collection that I bought on Switch and then mm-hmm. had barely used because I think it has all the, the Streets of Rage games that preceded this one in it. Uh, but I know it by reputation more than by experience. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if this happens in the originals, but, like, uh, enemies will fight amongst themselves. So there's, like, cop enemies who will fight with the thugs uh, in the police level particularly, but that, that sort of happens throughout. And then, yeah, so you it has a running score, as is the case with all these old games, um, and it incentivizes you to hit combos by telling you, like, you know how many points you are away from getting an extra life which is a nice character to get you into using the mechanics properly the characters themselves so axel and blaze feel pretty similar in handling they both move at the same speed have similar attacks and range uh, i believe they're fairly similar to how they were originally um the new characters are where they change things up so like cherry is super quick and uses a guitar in her specials uh floyd is because he's huge you'd expect him to be slow but he's also tanky and strong and uh i felt like switching between the characters was a was useful though there, there seems some levels where they're geared towards like the the big meathead approach and yeah so i changed a lot when whenever i died um as for the challenge uh so on, on normal uh it, the checkpoint is at the start of each level basically so if you die you have to start again um when you do die you can you can opt to restart as it is or with boosts so you can choose you know a varying range of having extra lives or extra specials um but it does so at the expense of your score um now i resisted this all the way through until the last level um and even as someone that beat wolf of blade in its original state i do not think i could have got through that last level unassisted um and because i'm not really a score attack kind of game player i was kind of fine with that as a trade-off um also doing that doesn't technically change your difficulty so you still get a score uh for beating it with those boosts there is an easy mode that throws six lives at you instead of the standard two and, and makes enemies that little bit easier to beat uh which i did just to get me over the edge to um to do some unlocks uh which i'll talk about now uh so there's a bunch of unlocks here so you can unlock the old sprite characters uh so you with every level you Play, your score gets added to this um, aggregate score and there's like three unlocks there for three retro characters uh, so I got the old uh, Axel so I get I jumped into a level with him um, and he plays exactly as he does in the original even with his um, super which is where he brings in a heavy artillery strike from a police buddy who pulls up in a police car because he's the only one I unlocked I, I can't speak for the others but the the other two are a bit of a grind to get so that that's not for me uh, those that want to jump into higher difficulties after they beat it uh, or want to aim for those big grades they'll they'll get through get to those characters really easily uh, there are also hidden retro levels uh, that you can get to by uh, finding arcade machines I, I found the machines but I didn't know what to do with them or how to trigger 
the thing that they did until after I beat the game and um, I can't be bothered jumping back in to do that because I have no nostalgia for those um, and you can also unlock the original soundtracks which is uh, a neat thing so you can hear all these remix tracks back in their original state uh, for most people or for series stalwarts they're going to want to play in the harder difficulties and check out the extra modes so there's an arcade mode which is the permadeath you know purist arcade version uh, and there's also a boss rush to to check in with uh, so I love my time with it uh, I did beat it but I probably wouldn't want to play it again it's just not my genre uh, as a whole it's not something I, I would work at to you know to get to keep improving at um, but I think it's really fun and uh, it's probably one of the better side scrollers uh, that I've played in, in certainly in recent years. The last one was the uh, Shaq, Shaq Fu one, which was pretty terrible. Yeah. So I recommend that. Um, I think you would enjoy it, Andrew, based on on what I know. Yeah, I hope so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wolverblade remains on my list of games that I really need to go back and finish, but I just can't bring myself to do it because I don't mm-hmm. think it ever got that update they said they were going to do to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah, I, need to, I should check that out, because um, that's the only way I would replay that. I, w- I was so glad that I beat it in its original state, but I don't think I would want to go through that again. And yeah, so that, so that uh, was it Way of the Passive Fist that you played mm-hmm. the other week? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like under $2 here the other the other week, and I nearly bought it, and the the thing that put me off was the fact that it was a side-scrolling beat-em-up, and it's, it's just not my genre. Well, um, it's an anti-beat-em-up, though, so... Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's uh, Streets of Rage 4 um, definitely for fans of that genre you would get a hell of a lot out of this uh, and even me as someone who's not particularly very good at them I, I enjoyed my time with it Okay, next up, High Rise Heroes Word Challenge uh, What's this one about, Andrew? This game is weird uh, <laughs> Where do I begin? High Rise Heroes is the story is about some kind of disaster striking this city and these workers in an office building who are on the top floor of the office building have to start working their way down and they come across all kinds of mysteries about what the company that's in this office building makes all kinds of messed up science and strange things and experiments on chimpanzees and and robots and all kinds of weird things going on and how you go down the tower is by playing boggle (laughs) okay yeah um after you watch each story sequence that explains what happens on each floor and and develops this story uh you go to this playing field that has a lot of letters on it and you spell out words to make the letters descend and all the characters that you're trying to rescue are also in this playing field so you have to work them down towards the bottom of the letter field by spelling words to eliminate the letters and also many of the letters have special attributes to them like some of them will explode some of them take multiple words being spelled adjacent to them before they'll disappear Uh, some of them don't disappear at all some of them are like conveyor belts so they'll shift around to the left and right or up and down after every turn and your characters also have special powers like some of them can make vowels appear some of them can shift the position of two letters 
Some of them can move where your people are to the left or right so they can get around a letter. Uh, the chimpanzee actually can restore the oxygen meter in characters because that's another thing and this is also a survival game. Uh, mm. Each character has an oxygen meter that descends every turn and if they run out then you get a game over so you have to spell a word using one of the blue oxygen letters that also touches that character that way they get some oxygen back this game's a lot <laughs> it's a lot a lot it's bizarre but like i think if you're good at word games this is one of the most unique word games i've ever seen uh, I think if you're a bottle champion, you would just blow right through this thing, no problem. Uh, but I, I'm somewhere around floor 50, so I, working down to floor 1, I've got about 50 floors to go. And uh, I, I'm pretty good with the words, but th this game is starting to kick my butt. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it, It's unique and it's cheap, so you know it, it's hard not to approve of it if you're into into puzzle games or into word games high recommend <laughs> is there any like sort of story along with it or? yeah yeah there's some kind of conspiracy going on in this tower i i don't know uh <laughs> I, I presume with all the science i've seen so far that the company in this tower is somehow responsible for whatever disaster is happening but like the game has a sense of humor too it knows how ridiculous it is like one character is always looking for the cafe and like it, it's not really clear because the game is, is really lax about its stakes and it knows it's lax about its stakes <laughs> like is this tower going to collapse at any minute where's the urgency here and it doesn't care it just stops and just does skits or makes jokes and it's like this game's ridiculous and I kind of love it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, cool. Uh, so that, that sounds like I recommend. I'm noticing a big big trend of uh, like puzzle games with story or, or RPG systems, which is really cool. Um, I just picked up Puzzle Quest Remake. Yeah, on, yeah. On the cheap. I need sale. to get that. I'm looking forward to, looking forward to getting stuck into that at some point. Um, that That's definitely one for the Switch Lite to play in bed, I think. Cool. And uh, the last thing you've been playing, uh, or playing on your own, uh, Gun Crazy? I forgot about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Gun Crazy is just a, a short little side-scrolling shooter game. Playing it, actually, it reminded me a lot of the shooters that are on this, the Genesis slash Mega Drive, uh, just in terms of appearance. Um, I... I I can't really describe the game past that. It's just a shooter where you fight robots. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it's short. Like, I got through it in under an hour and counting in all my debts and all my game overs. Uh, oh, wow. And I'm not really sure what this game is about. Like, my character gets out of a cop car at the start of every level, but she doesn't seem to be a cop. And she runs through the streets and she shoots robots. <laughs> uh, the last level kind of gave me the indication that they either ran out of money or ran out of time and they just finished it and published it uh, because the last level is a really long level with long stretches with nothing in it and then the final boss is a boss that you fight in the first level but it has some new moves and then the game just ends like <laughs> <laughs> shoot em ups aren't really known for their plot 
but like even this one I, I have no clue what was going on here it, it's just <laughs> but it did remind me very strongly of the Sega Genesis style shooters okay. like uh I don't want to say Gunstar Heroes because that, that's a high bar to clear, but like maybe like something like Vector Man or something like that. R- visually, certainly it reminded me of those games, and, and stylistically as well. And, <laughs> and if not for how unfinished it feels, I actually would probably give a high recommend on this game. But if you're into shooters from that era in the early 90s, I think you'd still enjoy this. Nice. Sure, always puts my ears up and in this age um, cool so we'll get on to what is probably the, the feature game of the episode um, one that since the moment it was announced for PC everyone talked about how great a Switch version would be uh, we're talking about Void Bastards uh, which is a roguelike FPS where you sort of chart a course through uh, the Sargasso Nebula, uh, docking on ships, looking for parts to craft new equipment and survival necessities such as food, fuel and, and ammo. Um, so I actually started this on PC a couple of months back after getting it in a humble bundle, uh, but I was happy to double dip on Switch because uh, as the second I played it on PC it didn't feel like the sort of shooter that I wanted to play with a mouse and keyboard. And I think it feels like a good fit for Switch generally. So I'm playing it on my uh, original OG Switch when not playing Animal Crossing. I had originally t- planned to play it on the light, but uh, I'm sort of chipping away at Mutant Year Zero there, so I don't want to um, stop my progress on that. So I might move it over when it's done. just depends which I've, I finish first. I feel like it might be this one. It uh, has this much like Streets of Rage actually has a, a comic book art style but it is a you know a proper first person shooter um, it looks great on Switch uh, but I did get some frame drops in, in the larger rooms which I definitely mm-hmm. wasn't getting in the PC but I didn't feel like it impacted the game too much not once did I feel like it actually cost me anything it, it, it's, it's there and it's noticeable but mm-hmm. I never died from it I never felt like I got ambushed by it. I never felt like I wasted resources because of it. I consider it pretty minor in the grand scheme of things. Uh, And I I can see it's something they might update later. I don't think it's a a hardware issue at all, to be honest. It's just this... uh, It was mainly, like, in the warehouse style rooms where it just just got a little choppy. I saw it everywhere. So, like, I think it's... It probably is just something happening in the background of the game when it reaches critical mass on something that it's keeping track of it just hitches a little bit and then it mm-hmm. resets it didn't bother me <laughs> so yeah so as a as a roguelike uh you get to choose uh which ships and areas you travel to across this nebula uh one step at a time then you can choose to dock on these procedurally generated ship uh, each ship has like a limited oxygen level so you you have to be quick and sometimes you have to be very single-minded uh, depending on on what it is you need, most of the ships have refill stations for your oxygen, so you can uh, choose to refill. But um, I, I I was when I was writing my notes, I was struggling to think of a way to structure this chat properly because there's there's a lot of elements to this game. So uh, each ship has its own characteristics. So uh, much like the characters as well, they they all have like they can have positive traits and negative traits and the ships can have these too so some might have higher or lower oxygen levels so you might run out quicker 
Some might have a faulty power generator that cuts out pretty frequently, so to actually loot anything you need to keep running back to the generator room and, and setting it going again. Those were the ships where I just got the loot and I got out. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, and patrolling most of the ships are a, a whole heap of nasties. You can you can see what each is going to be before you dock, so you can prepare and, and take in the right equipment. Um, I know you've finished it, so you're probably going to uh, prove this one wrong, but so far the screws have been the worst thing for me. Um, yeah, the screws pretty are an art. The guy who runs the studio who made this was involved in System Shock 2 and in Bioshock, and you can really feel it in this game. It mm-hmm. really feels like Bioshock at times, yeah. especially with the screws who feel a lot like big daddies. They're, yeah. they're huge, and they take a lot of punishment, and they deal a ton of damage. And like the very first ship you do introduces you to the screws and just tells you, just don't fight them, and which is pretty much mm-hmm. the policy I followed. From the beginning of the game to the end, even at the end when I had access to more powerful tools, like the screws also get more powerful. So I usually dealt with the screws by stunning them with the shock weapon and then locking them in that room and then just not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so you mentioned Bioshock. Like Bioshock in this game, there's a lot of ways to interact with the environment. Um, so you can lock people in rooms it takes a few seconds so if they get out you're, you're pretty much screwed um there's a lot of uh, environmental stuff so there's like turrets and things that eventually when you get the unlock you can hack them and use them to your advantage also sounds like bioshock um but also the equipment you get uh there's there's not only guns uh, but there's like poison spikers there's proximity mines which are, are pretty much my most used accessory they're, they're super useful for luring things into traps um and it gives you a lot of variety to approach battle smartly. Uh, how it works is that if you're walking or crouched and the enemy doesn't, you know, come in, you don't go into their line of sight, then you're pretty much safe. So you can sort of plan around your environment uh, like that. Uh, ammo uh, is pretty hard to find, so you do have to pick your battles carefully um, and prep your journey through that nebula appropriately. So I'm, I'm often plodding like three <laughs> or four ships ahead. Like which is the best way to go to get the the story item I need. Now, as it's a roguelike, if you die, your character is gone for good. Uh, and I like the way they frame this in the story. So you you're like on a prison ship uh, that's traveling through the nebula, and you whenever you die, they take another character out of a packet mix and rehydrate them by mixing the <laughs> powdered sachet I with love water. That. Like, you're literally in a potato crisp bag. It's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, and then off you go again. Uh, each character, as we mentioned before, gets different traits. So there's some really good ones. So, uh, like, I had one that was just, like, tall for no reason. <laughs> that was the only <laughs> trait. Um, I, my current one can pick things up automatically, so I don't have to go around mashing the button. And I'm mm. kind of hoping I don't get too used to that and forget to do it. Um, my first character would actually cough occasionally, alerting guards, constant mm-hmm. <laughs> enemies all the time. Um, yeah, that, if you go to the science ships, you can actually find a, a gene recoding station that'll let you mm-hmm. get rid of your negative perks and pick up positive ones. So you, you, you aren't stuck with the bad attributes. Yeah, and some of this is just throwed, uh, floating through the galaxy as well. Like you'll take a certain yeah. path, and you'll you'll hit a point that'll just rejig your genetic traits. I'm really enjoying this game. 
so far. Uh, I hope it stays as good as this throughout the entire thing. Did you, when you finished it, did you come away still loving it? I did, but I think that might actually be an issue with the game because it, it never gets deeper and it never grows from what it is. Like it, at, at what it is at the start is what it remains at the end. Like there are some new enemies varieties and obviously you get some more equipment, but in terms of what I'm doing on each ship, the activities stay the same. So, mm-hmm. like, if you enjoy this game in its first five minutes, I think in the last five minutes you're going to still be enjoying yourself. But if this game doesn't immediately hook you, nothing is going to change over the course of the eight to ten hours, I think, is about the average I'm seeing people finishing this. Nothing is going to change over that time. It's going to change your mind. Yeah, I've, I've actually fallen out with it, because just before we started recording... I was on the uh, the ship for the second part, the ID card, mm-hmm. and uh, as I picked it up, I died, and it didn't carry over. <laughs> no, you have to get it off the ship, otherwise yeah. your pickups don't carry over to your next character. Yeah, so actually, no, I, I, I had spooks on that one, which were worse than the screws, I think. Uh, not really. Just uh, the shotgun, like the shotgun, I brought that with me on every single mission, and... Uh, the the bio spiker the one that poisons enemies not the rad spiker but the bio spiker mm-hmm. works really well on the spooks oh nice yeah i uh, i didn't have any ammo for either of those so i was i was pistol with low yeah. ammo and then, and at then the start ammo kind of sucks but one of the things that you can find on your upgrade table is after you make a gun or you make a weapon or a tool the next thing in the progression tree you can unlock for that is like an ammo finder for that once mm-hmm. i had the ammo finders unlocked for specific weapons like especially the shock tool uh it makes it so every ship you go to if you go to a specific room you will find ammo for that for like the shock tool since i used it so much i was always it was always running on fumes for me then i got that upgrade which did take a while because the parts that i needed were found deeper in the nebula but once i got it every single power room and every ship has a power room gives me several dozen charges for my shotgun so you just gotta you gotta stick with it you gotta get those upgrades and then your ammo after a while will be less of a concern um, and I, I did also enjoy the uh, the survival aspect where you've got to make sure you've got enough fuel to make the jump. You've got to mm-hmm. make sure you've got enough food. Even if you run out of fuel, you won't lose. You can still drift to the next location, but it will cost you more food oh. than it does. Okay. I wondered about that because I never actually ran out of fuel or food. I always died first because, like, unlike you, apparently, I was going to every ship. <laughs> like, if ah. there was a part on it of any value and the map tells you if there's a part there that you need for an upgrade, I went on it. And, like, every ship, even the ships that aren't, like, designed for food, like, there's a, a, a type of ship which is a cruise ship that has a lot of food on it. And there's another ship that's a refueling ship, so there's a lot of fuel on it. Those are where you want to go if you really need food or fuel. But even mm-hmm. the other types of ships, if you take the time to fully explore all the drawers that you can find and all the, the luggage and whatever is lying around that you can open up, you'll always come out with a net gain on food and fuel. Yeah, I have been skipping uh, some ships 
after seeing like if they've got lots of screws and yeah you know a bunch of outpatients and you know and i've just thought nah it's not worth my time I, some ships are better to skip if you don't have certain tools or if you're low on ammunition mm-hmm. for certain tools like i could see it then but very rarely skipped ships i'm finding the resource management stuff a little difficult uh, which is fine. I, I know it will will open up uh, yeah. at some point um, when I've got more equipment. Yeah. Um, I had one friend who said that he actually bounced off the game because he found the RNG too harsh, and I was like, really? Because <laughs> I found this game really forgiving. But that's the nature of RNG. Maybe the RNG just treated me really nicely. Uh, but Yeah, when I got the line printer, for mm-hmm. example, which is the first like story item you need, yeah. I, uh, I, I really lucked out and got an easy ship for that one hmm. um which is yeah that's all part of it like uh, one of the ships i was just on was had friendly screws oh wow <laughs> which was a complete waste because they were the only enemies on there which was well that's even better that's not a waste that's a free ship <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's true but i, I kind of yeah. wish they had uh something to protect me against so i could uh you know laugh um but i do like how uh every action in this game is like a, a, a meaningful choice uh, like do you do you risk going on this dangerous ship or should i now i've got this key item do i do i stop and find some fuel or food do i press further uh do i you know risk getting trapped with with less op- oxygen and too far away from the oxygen uh station and oh my god why did i delve further there's a screw oh my god oh my god <laughs> run 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 uh that's this that's the the sort of dilemmas it puts you in and i'm loving having to make that that choice yeah i i i did evacuate a few ships early when i got into a bad situation and i was like i Mm -hmm. just want to get out of here but of all the roguelites i played and if you listen to the podcast for a long time you know i play a lot of the roguelites that are on switch i found this Mm -hmm. one to be one of the easier ones like i think i only went through they're called the characters you play as each one is called a client uh, he, he's a prisoner, and like all mm-hmm. all your prisoners, they're all locked up for like hilarious reasons. Like one of them was locked up because uh, a corporate executive complained about the way he smelled. That was <laughs> that was why he was dehydrated into a powder and put in, into prison. Uh, but uh, I, I beat the whole game in, in like six clients or so, and a roguelite only dying six times. That's a pretty easy roguelite. Uh, I've probably died already that many times but i i have been a bit reckless <laughs> and yeah and uh, that, that's the nature of that that genre i think so it, yeah and like i said compare contrasting it with uh my friend glenn he he said the rng was just way too hard on him and i also have i played a lot of bioshock so like i was already when i was playing this was like oh i know this game so like i, mm-hmm. I was already pretty acclimated to kind of how it handles and how you explore and things like that so maybe i just had experience that helped me um the uh, the other thing i want to mention that the sense of humor on this is is brilliant um it's very english uh do i need to tell you what a p45 is or do you know that already uh you probably have to tell me i probably knew what it was <laughs> in context but I, i'm drawing a blank right now hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy is what this game reminded me of though Yes, absolutely. Now that you mention it, yes. Um, so whenever you die, the the game explains that it's issued you a P forty five. A P forty five is what you get when you leave employment in the UK. Oh, okay. So whether that's by choice or by uh, you resigning, you get a P forty five, which is like your end of job 
tax statement <laughs> along those lines. I don't think we have anything like that in the US. <laughs> so whenever there would be like tax cuts or whatever, uh, sorry, or you know, job cuts, uh, the running joke would be like, oh, it's my P45. Whenever you got mail in the office, so yeah, <laughs> that's what that is. Well, we have, uh, we have things called pink slips, but even pink slips aren't as as common as they used to be. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that's the complete lack of a social safety net in the U.S., but we'll talk about that in a different podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Hitchhikers, that's that's a very good parallel. I like that. Uh, so yeah, so this is a definite recommend for me. I, I don't think I'm anywhere near finishing a second story item. I don't know how many story items there are to find. There were a surprising many. Like uh, twice I, I thought, okay, this has got to be the last part, but then something hilarious always happens with the next part you get where you have to then explore yet another chain of the ridiculous bureaucracy that this this game world exists in <laughs> the bureaucracy was very hitchhikers that was why i immediately thought of like the vogons basically yeah. <laughs> how yeah. overly bureaucratized the game world is yeah because <laughs> that's what actually kicks uh, off the whole situation is you're in this void arc which is where all the prisoners are kept and it needs to go to hyperspace to get to where it's going. But you have to get the hyperspace jump approved. So you need paperwork to make that happen. And it's just this long chain of things, basically, just to get this paperwork delivered. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> so yeah, uh, definite recommend from me. Uh, sounds like it is from you as well, uh, despite it not really changing its formula towards the end. I do recommend it, but it, it is with some caveats. Like, this game is not going to be for everybody, but I, I don't know how to identify who those people are going to be. Uh, I'm, I'm worried that this is going to be pretty hit or miss with most people, but it was a definite hit for me. Yeah, like, when, when we liken it to Bioshock, it doesn't mean that if you're a Bioshock fan, you're automatically going to like this. Oh, yeah, the pacing is like completely it. different. It's just the level design is very similar. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah... Uh, super fun I, I like it a lot and uh, I'm going to play some more once we finish recording okay we're, we're going to skip uh, village visit this uh, this week but I did actually have KK come uh, I think that happened in between episodes so yeah I've, <laughs> I've beaten the game finally um, and it turned out to be that I was missing one flower now I feel like I've told this story before you told me in a DM at one point I also don't ah, remember okay. if we talked about this in the last recording. <laughs> yeah, so K KK needed one flower to be planted before he would visit, so I think he is a ridiculous diva, uh, and I reckon his rider demands are just astronomical. Um, but yeah, so I've got the terraformer. I'm working on a, a project that I'm building on my island, and I, I don't want to talk about it till I've finished it, because it's silly, but uh, I will... Uh, post screenshots on Twitter hopefully in the next couple of days when I've got all the bits I need for it so frameworks all there I it, still it have done great. nothing with terraforming <laughs> just because I haven't taken the time to do it I did finish the fossil wing of the museum though got all the fossils oh nice yeah uh, I'm, I'm missing just a couple and then uh, I'm earning big profits from the fossils I can't give away but you know that's all good oh I had red as well and I, I bought a painting I, I looked up the original and I was certain it was real and then it was fake and now no one will take it <laughs> I can't sell it it's hung in my room yeah um, and the coward hasn't come back because I will take an axe yeah it's been three weeks I haven't seen him in three weeks which is starting to annoy mm. me I was like how am I supposed to finish my art wing if red never comes to visit yeah 
Uh, so it does make me wonder if there's anything I can do to trigger that. Um, mm. I saw something today about how the 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 maths works behind yeah. the scenes and, and people coming, but yeah, I haven't looked into it yet. Yeah, and I had uh, Mabel's fashion fashionista sister visits. I've been doing like pretty simple quests where they give me an item and then I talk to them again wearing the item and then I get a free outfit <laughs> at the store, which is, uh, you know, neat, I guess. Uh, do we know if uh, Leaf and Kix open shops at any point? Not at the moment. I, I kind of hope that they don't, or if they do, that they just add on to Nook's Cranny, because I don't know how I'm going to have room for all these shops if <laughs> any more people get, get access to the shop. That's why I did, like, downtown in uh, in New Leaf. I did like that yeah, little area. but had its own separate area. Yeah, yeah, where all the shops were at. That was nice. But Yeah, because yeah. I, I, I don't want to redevelop my thing around having, you know, like a, a retail district and then suddenly have to react to another three or four shops but uh yeah that's also part of the reason i haven't started fiddling around that i am going to move my house again though once i've got my my little project finished and then i'll start paving everything between houses and and do all that stuff and make it look a lot nicer uh still playing it every day okay andrew what are you playing in the coming week there's nothing coming out I'm really interested in so it's going to be something from the backlog or something that is going to be released in the next week that hasn't been announced yet but I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now until the big releases come at the end of May yeah so when June hits I'll have more to talk about but right now I'm just kind of like (laughs) (laughs) waiting on the world to change and part of the reason why I thought it was a good, good point to sort of pause and get those other things launched that we talked about at the top of the show um i'm gonna carry on with uh, void bastards of course uh keep chipping away at mutant year zero uh and uh I've, i keep going back to grid uh autosport i've i've unlocked like the the gated uh challenges there it's like a season where it uses all the disciplines from the other parts of the game um, I think I'm nearly done with it. I've spent nearly 60 hours on Grid Autosport, uh, and while I've not won every single race across all the disciplines, uh, I reckon I'm close to calling it done, because I, I, I'm no good at the drift challenges, and I don't really want to do the endurance stuff, because uh, they're just lengthy time sinks. Uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to finish up the things I want to finish on that, and I'm going to draw a line under that and uh, get ready for burnout <laughs> uh, so yeah so that's it okay thank you for listening to this episode of the end focus podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps us get noticed you can also listen and subscribe on stitcher spotify and other podcast services uh, be sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. They're, they both released a handful of episodes. Some of them are just tests, so you'll have to excuse the uneven nature. Uh, just wanted to throw something up there. Uh, you can join our Discord server to interact with the, the lively community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at gamepodular.com. That's our new website, and that's where we'll have all our updates, news, and other content. Uh, links for that are in the show notes. If you want to support the network 
the Game Podular Network. You can uh, buy us a coffee, or you can actually become a Game Podular Patreon now. Uh, details for both of those things are on our website. In terms of the Patreon, all, all our, our main shows will, will remain free. It's just a way for people to support us regularly if they like what we do and want us to keep going. Uh, we will uh, introduce some exclusive content for Patreons some, sometime down the line, uh, but not yet. At the moment, it's, we've just got one tier, and it's it, think of it as like a, a tips jar, uh, just for if you enjoy what we do. Uh, this episode itself was edited by Craig Windle. You can follow him on Twitter at CraigGiddyCraig, and you can also follow his music career uh, at Wimbles at Dawn. He creates all of the chiptunes interludes on the show uh, and they're great i'm sure you can agree so you can check out more of his work there uh, and you can follow uh, us individually on twitter i'm at flame roast toast and andrew is at play critically 